I know there are many, many stories. We had two salvations as well, but many, many stories of how lives were touched by the power of the gospel and God's people going forth into the community and doing the work of the ministry. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of a push or a charge to get outside of our comfort zones into the life of people. And uh, what an exciting time Mission OKC does that. We are, I've already heard from some of our leaders um, on Mission OKC that they'd like to do some of these outreaches as regular events. And so we'll be keeping you in touch about when those are regularly occurring so that you can continue to uh, be on mission together as the church, the body of Christ here at Northwest Baptist. It is Palm Sunday and we are finished our series last week on where do we go from here? What does God want with this church now that we are moving out of the pandemic into real life and into life again? Where does God want his church? And we're going back to the basics. We're going back to the values in which God has set forth of what we do as the church. We worship the Lord with our life. We pray together because we trust in him, not our own abilities. We, we have genuine community that fellowships with one another, that encourages each other in the gospel. We love the word of God and, and view it as the authority in our life and we love in action in serving the Lord and giving our life for his glory. This morning, it is Palm Sunday and uh, the Sunday that begins the Holy Week. Kyle talked about it earlier. We have Holy Week guides written by some of the leaders in the church. They're in the back on the tables. They're in the front on the, on, on the up here, whatever that is called, the altar right here. And it is the triumphal entry of King Jesus who comes riding on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah that the king, the Messiah, would come humbly riding on a donkey. And the people are praising him as the Messiah. They're shouting with joy and they're waving these palm branches, shouting Hosanna in the highest, meaning save us. Salvation has come. Salvation is here. But as they wave these palm branches high and as I reflected upon Palm Sunday, one of the the saddest emotions that come about from thinking about Palm Sunday is the people who praise this Jesus for coming to save them are the, the same people who shouted crucify him on Friday. They missed the true reason for Jesus' presence because they could neither see nor understand the cross. As Jesus approaches Jerusalem, Luke 19 tells us that he sees the city and he weeps 
over the city of Jerusalem. And he says, even if you had only on this day had only known what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Church, we must not miss the cross. We must not miss Jesus coming to the world. We must not miss the king who has come and died in our place. At the end of the week, the same crowd that's yelling crucify him, the disciples who are closest to Jesus, denying that he even knew him, it was as if Palm Sunday was quickly forgotten. They missed that their salvation would come through the cross of Christ. This morning, let's not miss the cross of Christ and the salvation in which Christ brings. So we turn to Galatians 2.20. Next week, we're going to talk in Colossians about Christ who is my life. And this is a precursor to this. This is a warm-up for you for Easter Sunday. Because this thought process is right here in the text. It gives us the outline for the Christian life. Galatians 2.20, it says this. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's it. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture that is so central to our Christian life, that is so central to what Christ has done. And Father, that we are the people of God who live in Christ. Not by our own works, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last night, um, it's been a long week this week, I'll tell you that. It's been a long week, and um, I was cooking dinner last night, trying to help out around the house, and uh, I was on the grill, right? Beautiful night last night if you were outside. And I was doing my thing on the grill. It was, I was cooking burgers, nice juicy burgers, right? Perfectly timed 
burgers. I was focused upon this cooking. It was, it was like a perfect storm. I had time to devote to the grilling. It was perfect weather. The kids were playing somewhere else. I had time to not leave the burgers for a moment. I don't know if, you've, if you have small children, but it, it doesn't happen very often. You're, you're gonna have to come back to the burgers and then you look down and they're, they're burnt or they're undercooked and you're like, okay, I, I've gotta figure this out. But it was grill master time in perfect cooking skills, the best that I can do. And it was... Flame kissed, but not burnt, okay? So think of that. And I, I get these burgers off the grill, and I put them on this plate, and I'm proudly walking in with these trophies to present to my wife. And in my left hand, somehow I had put the salt shaker underneath my arm to hold it while I'm holding the other things that I'm pulling in from the grill. And all of a sudden, I feel the salt shaker, which is glass and is really nice, start to fall down from my 6'4 frame, and I begin to realize this is not good. It's going to land on the tile and break. So I throw out a kick trying to catch the salt shaker with my foot. The only problem is this violent, quick twitch muscle spasm sets off a chain reaction with the burgers on the plate. And they shifted only for me to yell, no, as they fall to the ground into a heap of meat that now looks like ground beef. All this to say, this is what self-centered religion looks like. One moment so proud of your accomplishments and at the next moment looking at the mess you have created going, where do I go from here? See, Paul is so upset with the Galatians as he writes this letter. He calls them out for deserting the true gospel of grace and turning to a different gospel so quickly. He's trying to get across to the people of God, the church in Galatia, the centrality and the purity of the gospel to a people who are adding the law in order to to try and find a right relationship with God. You see, some of the Jews at this time who had trusted in Jesus were saying that the Gentiles must be circumcised. They must be eat kosher meals. They must abide by the Sabbath. They must perform the law. And even Peter himself gets mixed up in these religious exercises. And Paul says, no, the law is not that. The law is not that which saves. The law is a diagnostic, not the cure. A lot of people who have gone under an MRI machine know 
It makes a lot of noise and it creates this image of your, your brain or other body parts to show what is wrong. But no matter how many times you get into the MRI machine, it can't heal you. It only tells you what is wrong. This is Paul's argument for the law. The law is our diagnostic. It shows us our need for Christ. And our salvation is through Christ alone, not through the works of the law. We're saved by grace through faith. J.D. Greer recites this prayer, and I think it sums up what Galatians says very beautifully. I want you to listen to it. He recites this every day. He calls this the gospel prayer. It's this. It's this. Number one, in Christ, there is nothing I could do to make you love me more. There's nothing I have done that makes you love me less. You are, number two, you are all I need today for everlasting joy. Number three, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. Number four, as I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. You see, Galatians 2.20 encapsulates this entirety of the Christian life. Christ saves us. He changes us through his power and therefore we live by faith. It's very simple, yet it's extremely hard. We are built to want to do. We are built to try to attain. We are built to try and make it our own, make it our self. Self-righteousness fulfilled in religious practices. And yet God says, no, we rest in the finished work of the cross of Christ. So this morning, I hope you find complete and utter freedom in the beautiful grace of God as you wander out of this pandemic and you realize what you need is Christ and that he is your life. Let's look at the first statement here in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. What are you talking about, Paul? You're crucified with Christ. How does, how does that relate to me? What, what, why are you preaching this on Palm Sunday? Let's talk about it. Number one, I am saved by the death of Christ. Several times throughout the scriptures, Paul uses this, 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 this wording of, and this idea of dying with Christ or being crucified with Christ as believers, being crucified with Christ. Colossians 2.20, if, 
If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Colossians 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 2 Timothy 2.11, the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Paul gives us the full explanation of this idea of dying with Christ in Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his... We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved to sin for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead We will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That'll preach. You see, the idea of Rob's death or my death as a believer in Christ is pictured in baptism. I have been crucified with Christ. The identification is I am united to Christ. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Rob's sin was paid for upon the cross with Christ. All my wickedness, all my filth, every deed done in darkness died on the cross. All of my missing the mark All of my breaking of God's law was paid for by the perfect and holy, sinless Lamb of God. You see, the more I try to please God by doing good works or living according to the law in our current current day and time, by going to church, the more realize how much a failure I actually am. I mean, if you've ever done a 365-day, year-long Bible, you know how much of a failure you actually are, right? Right? You open the Bible and you begin in January. It's good. February, miss a couple days. Try and catch up on the weekends. March, trying to get there. 
April, maybe have given up. Right? I don't know about you. Maybe we have some superhuman people in this, in this room that read their Bible every single day. But I'll tell you what. We realize we cannot do it ourselves. The more that we try to live according to the law, the more that we realize how much of a failure we really are. That's what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you say, don't commit adultery. If you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Jesus points out the reality of the law is that you cannot measure up to God's standard. Verse 19 says it here, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. You see, the only way I could actually live for God was stop trying to appease God through my own achievements and place the full weight of my salvation upon Christ. I died to the law so that I could live in Christ. You know the penalty for breaking God's law? It's death. And I'm no longer under that penalty because I died with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. When Christ was crucified, it was as if I was crucified with him. The penalty was fully paid as surely as if I was crucified for my own sins. When the Son of God hung upon the cross, he hung in my place. And that's why we say, Jesus in my place. As an understanding of the gospel. And what we mean by this is Jesus literally came down from heaven and took the cross that was deserved for you. Paul somehow wants us to think about Christ's crucifixion as our crucifixion. You are guilty. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. And there is nothing you can do to stop it. And this is where Jesus rescued you. This is when Jesus took your place upon the cross and has given a new life in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is our second point this morning. Very simply, I am changed by the life of Christ. I am saved by the death of Christ. I am changed by the life of Christ. Isn't it a beautiful thing in Christianity that God doesn't just say, now Christ saves you, now go figure it out. No, he comes and he takes up residence in you through the spirit of the living God. Illustrate this. Say, say I was a 
poor and homeless man. My family is starving because I've lost all my money to gambling. I'm an alcoholic and, and I have a terminal disease. And all, oh, by the way, I'm crippled and blind. And some gracious rich guy comes along and says, okay, I paid all your debt. Now go take care of your family. But that's not really going to help me much. My balance may be zero, but I'm still an alcoholic with a terminal disease who is blind and crippled. You see, I need not only my debt removed, I need the power of a new life. And that's what Jesus does. He makes us new creations that we can live in the life of Christ. Christ now lives in you. Rob has died. Christ lives. He gives us a new heart with new desires. He changes your mind and he reforms you to make him like himself for the glory of God. So so let me ask you this question. Why are you here? I ask this often. Why are you here this morning? I pray that it is because you have been saved. I pray that it is because you have a love for Christ and you want to live his mission. If you, if you don't love Jesus, if you, if you don't want to live his mission, why are you here? I've seen the gospel transform lives over and over and over again. I'll never forget the sacrifices that I have seen people make because of the gospel of Christ in their own life. I've seen children who are beaten by monks in schools because of their faith in Christ and return to the church to hear more stories about Jesus, to hear the gospel. I've seen people leave their culture ostracized by their family and their village for the sake of Christ. I've seen people give way more than anyone would expect for the kingdom of God, both financially and of their time. I've seen people take their families to the hardest places of the earth to live, to give their life to people who do not know Jesus. I've seen people do extraordinary things because their lives have been changed and they now live. And Christ lives in them. I can remember Willard Ringgold who gave his life to Christ after his wife prayed for him for 47 years. They were married 47 years. And as he gave his life to Christ, I kept thinking, what's gonna happen now? Hadn't gone to church for 47 years. He'd always had his Sunday morning. And guess what? He showed up 
after he received Christ? Who does that? I can remember my father, 40 years, 48 years old, saying, I believe, and giving the rest of his life to try to follow Jesus and to find who this God was. I've seen parents of toddlers who are exhausted take the time to teach their children the stories of God, even to give of their time to other children to teach them who Jesus is. I've seen men of God step up and lead their families after their wife has committed adultery on them and lead their families well. I've seen wives stay with their husbands even after their husband has lost their mind and wait for them to return. I've seen the spirit of Christ at work in the life of people. And all I have to say is it had to be Christ. There is no explanation for some of these things. Christ gives new life. You say, I'm, I'm struggling to live in this new life. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to walk in the spirit of the living God. Galatians 5.24 says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ let me ask you this this morning. It's very simple. Do you belong to Jesus? It doesn't say some who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. Their old self has died, and now they live in the power of Christ. The same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead is the same spirit who lives inside of us, his church, the people of God. May we have faith that God will change our hearts. May we have faith that we can overcome the sin and temptation in our lives. May we have faith that Christ can do what only Christ can do. He can change our hearts and our minds for his glory and his good work and his purposes. Will God not resurrect your life to live in Christ We must rest in the finished work of the cross. We must rest in his salvation, not our own salvation. What if somebody says to you, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I just choose not to follow Jesus? Is that person truly a follower of Christ? I'm a follower, I just choose not to follow Christ. Does that make sense? 
Is that living in Christ through the power of the Spirit? You see, the reason why Paul is so upset at the Galatian church is because they're placing the power of God upon themselves and their own works rather than the power of Christ. Christ saves me, he sets me at zero, but I've gotta do all of these other things to where he continues to appease me and continues to work in my life. No, we rest in the power of Jesus alone and his salvation upon the cross of Christ. So what's my part in all of this? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is point number three. My life is faith in Christ. My life is faith in Christ. Christ, who is your life, is a life of faith. That there is nothing I could do to make you love me more. Nothing I have done that makes you love me less. I rest my full weight upon Christ for my salvation. It's not of my own good that I can be saved. It is only through the blood of the lamb. Therefore, I rest fully upon the grace of God in what he has done. You see, there is a tendency in the human mind to miss the cross either because we believe we are deserving of God's salvation because of our obedience to God and how good we are, or because we believe that God could never save us because of what we have done. And both of those thoughts are extinguished by faith in Christ alone. Salvation by works nullifies the grace of God. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So not only when we come before the Lord and say, I am not worthy Or when we come before the Lord and say, I am worthy, we nullify the gospel itself. It is, I am worthy because of Christ. Because Christ lives in me, I come before you, O Lord. Christ loved me, he gave himself up for me. Now he comes to change me by the spirit of the living God inside of me for his good glory and his pleasure. And there is immeasurable joy that is found in Christ.
So let us not be the people who shout on Palm Sunday, save me, oh God. Hosanna, salvation is here. And then either trust in ourselves or not trust in Christ and his finished work at all. Just as Josh read or prayed earlier, let us not miss the importance of the cross in the mundane day-to-day daily life. Let us not forget the grace of God. Let us ask the Lord to save us. Not because we are good. Not because we are deserving. But because of the grace of God through Christ Jesus. It's a very simple passage, yet extremely hard. I am crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us stand in a time of response and in prayer. Let's bow our heads in prayer as the Lord begins to work on our hearts and our minds. As he begins to speak through his spirit and as you recall the scripture in what you have read and what you have heard. Now is the time for the Lord to speak to you. What areas of your life have you not placed the full weight of the finished work of the cross of Christ in your life. What areas of your life do you not feel worthy? Or what areas of your life do you have pride? Because those two are not in Christ. Faith in Christ. I am a father, not because I am a good father, but God is working in me to be a father that glorifies God. 
Father, speak to our hearts in every area of our life as we come before you. Father, if there are those here this morning who have not placed their faith upon Christ for salvation, who are not genuinely a believer in Christ, who says, I follow Jesus, who's buried their old self and now lives in Christ for his glory and his good purposes, may they not be embarrassed by that. But they may make a declaration, a public declaration of faith this morning in the finished work of the cross of Christ. May we celebrate. The altar is open this morning. Would you allow the Lord to speak to you?